Well, hello and welcome to everybody out there. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio. And uh, we'd like to just uh, welcome everybody out there, even the shortwave listeners tonight. If you're listening out there on the international uh, shortwave on uh, WBCQ on 7490, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com and uh, tell us where you are and how you're hearing the station tonight. And uh, uh, we're glad uh, you're with us. Stick around. We're going to have some fun. Uh, the first hour of the show is uh, structured with uh, uh, some things that we have on the uh, agenda here. And then the last hour of the show is what we call the After the Show Show. And that's where we just invite anybody to join us and we talk about all kinds of things. So if you will, do one favor for me here. Please hit the subscribe button. We added a little button down here at the bottom. I guess that's the bottom right, my left. Uh, we, we didn't do this for about eight years, and we decided we needed to get a subscribe button on there because it does help to uh, promote the show and people that are surfing around on YouTube looking for a radio or a ham radio. Uh, a lot of times, if you hit that subscribe button, it will... Uh, uh, Give them a little hint that our show's about that and for them to please come over and join us. So uh, hit that subscribe button, uh, hit the like button, uh, hit the uh, bell, hit that bell for notification because we do come up with some special uh, live videos from time to time during the week. And uh, you might want to join us and that would tell you that we're on. We always have something interesting going on there. Uh, we got a lot going on tonight. Hey, we got our friend Riley Hollinsworth with us tonight. And uh, Glenn's here. Uh, Alan's not going to make it tonight. He's out traveling and getting home late. Uh, Katie is still recovering uh, from surgery, I think, on her shoulder. So, But uh, we've got plenty to talk about tonight. We're going to give you an update on W5KUB10, our Pico balloon. We're on our second circumnavigation of the Earth. We'll talk a little about that tonight. And, um, you know, a subject just to get some personal uh, feelings or opinions or comments, uh, uh, this is interesting. You know, we have the FCC and, and other groups that, uh, that kind of look over things. And uh, uh, there's a city council that is uh, uh, thinking about writing a, a, a creation of an RFI code violation ordinance. Boy, I don't know how they're going to do that, but... Uh, that's going to be fun, just, just thinking about that. So we'll talk about that a little bit tonight, and then we'll open the phone lines uh, up or, or the Zoom up for everybody. All right, so uh, let's, uh, let's go out to our uh, remotes here. Uh, Glenn, it looks like Glenn is up uh, first there. Glenn, uh, hey, Glenn. Oh, and hey, tonight we're also going to talk about the Memphis Free Fest. Great little ham fest here in Memphis. Glenn and I will talk about that in a few minutes. I've got some video from that. So, Glenn, I hadn't seen you since uh, Saturday. Hey, you stayed late, Glenn, and I, I won some prizes after I left. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you won a, an ICOM HT, but you weren't there, so they gave it to somebody else. I know, I know. I won. Uh, yeah, look at this, Glenn. I won. I won that, and I wasn't even there. I, le I left about an hour early because everybody was already shutting down, and I knew I yep. didn't, didn't have to be there for the big prizes. But uh, I won that, but then I lost that. And then, look, hey, I won this. That's a 20-amp-hour uh, uh, battery and charger. And that's the uh, LifePo. LifePo, yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. And uh, that's uh, an interesting 
Uh, I'm not sure what I'll do with it, but uh, well, those it, are handy to have. Is. Trust me, I go through yeah. them all the time. You go through them. What happens to them? Well, not that particular. I have the the standard uh, sealed lead acid batteries. Oh yeah, and they only last about <clears throat> two or three years in a UPS. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, look, but, what, uh, what, what? Okay, uh, so. How did uh, how did your uh, how did your sales go? Did you get rid of most of your stuff? No, I didn't sell a whole lot. Um, you know, I made it. Uh, you know, made enough to buy my lunch and you know pay for my raffle tickets that didn't win anything. Yeah. But you know, uh, the way I viewed it, it was a day out of the house. I was you know amongst all my ham friends, and <clears throat> you know that was the last step before Dayton. So it's kind of like you know another checkbox off of the. The Hamfest list, and now Dayton is the one that's coming up, and I'm really getting excited for Dayton. Yeah, I am too, and we're going to go up there and have a good time this year. Uh, yes, all sir. the other years we've worked, but we're going to have a good time this year. Hey, let's bring Riley in. Riley is with us tonight. I've been trying to get Riley on here for weeks and weeks and weeks, and he is a busy guy. Riley, how are you doing tonight? Oh, we're doing fine. I appreciate your inviting me. Sorry I haven't been on here before. Uh, this program was a little more difficult than I expected to set up, but it seems to be going better uh, than I expected to. So I'm anxious to talk about it, but it's good to see you folks again. Well, that's uh, that's great. We're glad to have you there. And uh, you know, uh, you know, I was talking to Riley earlier, and he's hinting, he's hinting now that he may join us or come down to Huntsville. So I just see, uh, I see uh, Brett in the chat room. He's saying he's considering coming to Huntsville. A lot of people come to Huntsville from a long ways away, and. Uh, I think we'll get Riley there this year. So I've never been. Uh, yeah. I, would, uh, I would like to see it always. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. Man, you got to go. It's, it's in my mind, it's one of the top three or four ham fests there is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Riley, uh, we're going to jump pretty much right into your segment here in just a minute. Uh, okay. But uh, – and I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't seen what you're, you're going to talk about exactly. You want to lead into kind of what you're doing now? We know you came from the FCC. You were the special uh, counsel uh, to the FCC there, and uh, you retired. And, uh, boy, isn't retirement great? Uh, I retired eight years ago, nine years ago, and, man, I'm loving it. Now, you retired, and you've gone back to work. Tell, tell us what you're doing. Well, you know, we set up the, the FCC actually had the idea to set up a a program in uh, 2019 to replace the official observer program uh, because a lot of the half of the FCC field offices have been closed and they've lost half of their engineers. A lot of good people left the FCC. A lot of good people stayed and we're happy with that. But they thought their idea was to set up a joint initiative between the league and the FCC to enhance compliance in the amateur radio service. And uh, they agreed to, um, give our cases expedited attention and to take advantage of the 1986 law that lets them use evidence gathered by amateurs. And in exchange for that, we would have a, a group of uh, volunteer monitors across the country. They thought about 175 would be appropriate, uh, a number that would be manageable. And uh, we would give them enhanced training in which the FCC would participate and they would um, give our cases first um, first cut. So that's worked out pretty well. But let me just read you the um, March activity report. Uh, we have monthly reports in QST uh, magazine and on the league website. 
and uh, they've been pretty consistent with the number of hours monitored and so forth. But let me just read you March and make a few comments about it. Uh, general class operators in Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan were issued advisory notices for operation on 20 meters outside of their frequency allocation. Uh, technician class operators in Pennsylvania, California, Texas, and Missouri were issued notices for FT8 operation on 7.074. Now, technicians only have CW privileges on 40 meters. There's a, There seems to be a fairly widespread misconception among technician operators that they can operate FT8 on 40. I don't know how the rule came to play, but technicians only have CW privileges. Uh, we found that um, 99% of these seem to be inadvertent, and we don't have any any recidivist. Uh, they're genuinely surprised to get the notice, and they seem to comply with that afterwards. Uh, we issued a notice to an operator in Puerto Rico for distorted FT8 transmissions that were causing harmonics and interference to other operators. Now, with all the FT8 operation going on today, just to have one of these cases or one or two a year, I think is not bad at all. Uh, an advanced class operator in Georgia was, was issued an advisory notice for excessive bandwidth on 3885. Now, I am concerned about some of the bandwidth being used on uh, 80 meters, not on AM, but on sideband. And a number of the people that we have uh, gotten in touch with uh, really had uh, did not know how to adjust the transmitter. In a couple of cases, their transmitters, their transceivers were defective. Uh, well, you may have heard about this. We issued a volunteer monitor alert for what has been a weeks-long constant carrier on 7.033, and we gave that information to the FCC, and they're working on the case, too. Uh, that That is coming from Colorado. We don't know any more about it than that, but the FCC is working on it. But it's been going on for several weeks. It seems to me that it's probably absolutely inadvertent or accidental. No, I don't think there's any uh, any malice intended with that, but I'm anxious to find out uh, who it was and why. Now, here's the thing I, I like to talk about. The totals for the hours monitored during February among all the volunteer monitors across the country for HF alone were 2,067 hours. Now, that's been consistent every month, around 2,000 hours spent monitored on on. Uh, HF. And so when you look at a year, you're looking at 24, 25,000 hours of monitoring HF bands. And we get very few uh, uh, alerts or, or notices or incident reports, I should say, turned in. And so I'm really, really happy with that. It means that overall compliance in our service is excellent. We have a few trouble spots, but overall, with the vast number of licensees we have, you would think with um, 2,000 hours monitored in one month that we'd get a whole slew of incident reports, but we don't. And for that, for the month of uh, March, uh, 1,959 hours were spent monitoring on VHF frequencies and above. So that's a total of a little over 4,000 hours monitored during that month. And it's been very consistent every month. And, and I'm really, really happy with that. Uh, we have lost some volunteer monitors due to COVID and accidents and so forth. We're down to about 160 to 165. And we may be uh, we may be enhancing that and bringing some more monitors in or going to the reserve pool. 
What concerns me about amateur radio, this is the good news, very few incident reports for the thousands of hours monitored. What concerns me is we have some problem spots on 7,200 and 3,927 in the east. Now, we've had them for years. It's very, very poor operators. A lot of times what they're doing is not against the rules. A lot of times it is. But they're just very poor examples. And we get complaints from people sometimes who are trying to demonstrate amateur radio. And they happen to tune across 7200 in daytime or 3927 at night. And it's very embarrassing to the service. Um, a couple of these people have been taken off the air. A couple others aren't going to get a license renewal without a hearing in which they'll have to come to D.C. But a lot of the conduct is just stupidity. You know, you, you'd have to say after watching the news for three or four nights that uh, the world has gone crazy. And we see the same thing on the amateur bands. And we have some amateurs with uh, drug issues or alcohol issues, just like any other service or any other group would have. And we just have to deal with that because luckily we're a cross-section of society. But these uh, less than half a dozen on 7200 and around 3927 uh, can be uh, some days and some nights they're fine, but sometimes they can be a real embarrassment, uh, particularly if somebody's trying to demonstrate amateur radio. But overall, for the uh, number of hours that uh, our service is being monitored, I think we have very, very uh, superb compliance with the commission's rules. And uh, we've referred a number of cases to the FCC, which they're working on, and they give us cases as well. Like today, I got a complaint about repeater interference in Miami that had gone through the FCC system, and they want us to look at it. So we're, we're glad to do that. And they give us very good cooperation when we refer cases to them, too, that we just can't resolve through the uh, volunteer monitoring program. We try to take an informal approach first uh, before we take a formal approach and give it to the FCC. We like to try to resolve it because a lot of times, uh, these incidents are not intentional. They're just uh, genuine mistakes, and and we've all made mistakes. I mean, there's not an extra-class operator out there that has a false CQ on a dummy load and wondering why I didn't get an answer. Or like I did the other night, turned on the uh, FT920 here and thought for a second something was wrong with the audio, then I realized the headphones were still plugged in from the night before. We all do stuff like that, and that's the whole nature of amateur radio to, to experiment with this but uh but for the whole the whole picture to me is is excellent but we have to we have to keep it that way and we have to keep that small fraction of a percentage tamped down because if there's the the perception that there's no enforcement out there then in any society but particularly in today's society the conduct will be different on the bands and the bands will be degraded and deteriorated and we can't let that happen. There has to be a little bit of enforcement, serious enforcement uh, throughout the bands, or the system just doesn't work. It's just human nature. Uh, the the uh, volunteer monitor program uh, will participate in a forum at Dayton on Saturday, and uh, we'll have a booth along with the uh, Beck, uh, Maria Soma's booth there in Dayton. So we'll look, look forward to meeting people and uh, any complaints or comments that people have, we'd love to hear them. I see a good chance to meet people and haven't been to Dayton in a couple of years because of COVID. It's going to be great to get out there and mix and, and talk to amateurs. I love doing that. So I'm really looking forward to Dayton. And uh, I should uh, 
I hope I'll see both of you characters out there. So that's what March looked like. It's a pretty typical month. Uh, you'll see some a few more interesting cases for the April report, which we're working on. But uh, overall, I'll have to say, I think the FCC expected us to be reporting more problems. And I certainly expected uh, to be reporting more problems. I'm not happy at all with some of the problems we have. They're long term. And like I say, we're going to get into license renewal issues. And in a license renewal proceeding, these people have to realize they have the burden of proof to uh, show that their renewal will be justified. And they have to come to Washington, D.C. for a hearing. Can't be in their town. It's not done over Zoom or anything else. They'll have to come to Washington, D.C. for a hearing before an administrative law judge and show why their license should be renewed. And a number of these people that are uh, causing us problems are pretty near the end of a renewal term. So uh, the rubber's going to hit the road and meet the road then. I guess, but I'd sure like to resolve them before then. But we can't regulate stupidity. It can't be done. There's no rule in the world that will regulate that. But that that uh, number, that percentage is so small in our service, but it has to be kept down to a very small percentage. Otherwise, the whole service deteriorates. So that's where we are now. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you all at Dayton. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, I got just a few questions, and uh, you can uh, answer the ones you can and just uh, refrain on the ones you can't. Uh, I know we have to be very careful here legal-wise uh, on, on certain things we can talk about. Uh, tell a little about, um, you know, the volunteers. Now, do, does, uh, does, the mon- does the monitoring program interface back with people that have uh, some type issues? Do they try to help resolve those issues before going to the FCC? Or are the issues just turned over to the FCC when they're seen? No, we, we try to resolve it first. Now, aren't, aren't all the uh, uh, volunteer monitoring people, aren't they anonymous? Do you, are, they're, not, uh, they're not necessarily anonymous, but we just don't publish their names. Okay. And, and if a case would go to a hearing or a deposition, of course, we'd publish the names. The reason we don't is uh, one big problem the official observers had near the end of that time, that era was that, you know, 25 years ago, if you told somebody they were operating out of band, out of their license class, they would thank you and say, man, I'm glad I heard from you rather than the FCC. Now they get insulted because everybody's so easily offended and they yeah. threaten to sue and they say, what right do you have to tell me I'm out of band, even though I was 50 kilohertz out of band? But when I read you a minute ago here that, for example, general class operators in Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan were issued advisory notices. Those notices came from Volunteer Monitor Program. The program manager, which is me, issued those notices. And um, if now, that can resolve it, that's fine. If it doesn't, it goes straight to the FCC. Now, you guys, your job is not just to find something bad going on. Your job also is to find something good going on, isn't it? Exactly. And what what the volunteer monitors do, it's sort of an audit of the entire amateur service. And I think um, when bank examiners go in to audit a bank, if they don't find anything wrong, I don't think they're disappointed. I think they consider it a success story. So uh, we, we recognize exemplary operation, and you'll see 
three or four of those every month, a, a good operator commendation. Uh, do you send like a letter or certificate out to people? Yeah, it's a, it's a letter. It's a very nice letter. And okay. we also publicize that on the league website and on the newsfeed. So we recognize exemplary behavior. Right. I remember I remember 50 years ago, uh, I did receive some uh, letters from official observers. Actually, it was a little postcard, I think, back then. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I got caught one time. I was like, I don't know, 50 cycles out of the novice band. You know, I guess I was too close to the edge there. But you know what? I hey, I respected it and I took care of the problem. And like you're saying, nowadays, uh, you may get into an argument about that. Um, well, of these notices that were issued, uh, we hear from 90% of the people that we issue them to. Yeah. And usually they're very nice conversation. Uh, they, they appreciate the notice. And uh, in, in most cases, it was absolutely inadvertent. Now, if we don't get any cooperation, if it isn't solved, then we send it to the FCC and they are not happy when the volunteer monitor program can't resolve something. So when they get it, they're not in the best mood. It's, that's not well, a good I'm, thing. Well, I'm, I'm sure that it takes a lot of resources to do these little things like this. And, you know, in the scale of, uh, you know, TV broadcasting and shortwave and, I don't know, microwave, uh, ham radio may be kind of just a small part of that. And uh, Well, they have uh, a lot to do now. Yeah. It's totally different. If you read the... Um, daily digest just for a week you'd be absolutely astonished at all the things that the fcc gets into these days and a lot of it has is not related to rf yeah yeah well you know i uh, uh i i did receive hey here i am 16 years old riley and uh 16 years old and i get a letter from the fcc this was not an official observer i got a letter i don't remember much about it you know, I did something wrong, but uh, they didn't lock me up. Um, I think I had to send a letter back to them in triplicate. You know, back then, didn't they used to always require something triplicate? So, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. three sheets and carbon paper, and, you know, you had to send that in. So, <coughs> so any, anyway, uh, we, we uh, survived and lived through that. So, hey, let me, let me ask you a question. So this program is for ham radio. Now, I'm going to ask about Citizens Band Radio. I'm sure that this program has no jurisdiction over even listening or monitoring CB. Uh, are they worried about that, you know, stuff going on there, too? Or is that just kind of uh, the Wild West? Well, we don't, we don't have any relationship with CB, and I'm very happy with that. Yeah, yeah. But um, CB is compared to... Decades ago, CB's more or less died out. You just don't hear that much about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, the FCC deals with it, but we don't have to deal with it at all, and I don't know how they how they handle it. But I just don't hear much about CB at all these days. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, um, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool that uh, we've got to focus now on some of these problem areas, particularly at 7200. You know, and that thing that thing goes wild, and uh, I just hope that uh, we're making some progress on clearing those up because, as you said, that kind of gives a bad name to ham radio. Well, uh, you especially. know, what happens is yeah. you have the same group of people that hang out on the same frequency, using uh, usually using high power to talk maybe a thousand miles, 
Mm-hmm. And the same people all the time, they run out of things to talk about, so they start expressing opinion. And mm-hmm. that's when the fight starts, and it just makes the band sound sound very bad. Uh, fortunately, it's a minuscule amount, and we intend to keep it that way. Well, I don't want you to uh, uh, divulge any secrets, but I know that uh, your your monitors had some training that the ARL and probably FCC provided them. Uh, I, I don't suppose uh, the monitors have a lot of like direction finding equipment and stuff like that. Their their job is probably not that. Well, we we uh, we're working on it and using it as an experiment, and it's working out pretty well so far. The a time difference of arrival system, and the accuracy of that varies with the time of day and the frequency and so forth. Mm-hmm. But so far. In cases where we knew where the problem was coming from, and we experimented with a time difference of arrival network of SDRs, it's amazingly accurate. Now, I, I'm. It can I, put us in a yeah. county. I'm not real familiar with that, but I did play with one of those one time here this year, uh, the SDR things. There's some little program or something you can click on uh, some of these SDR sites that. that as you say, I think it measures the time difference, and it kind of pinpoints pinpoints where the uh, the yeah, signal is coming it's from. More accurate than you would think. And flex right? radio, flex radio. Excuse me. It's all right. Flex radio is going to um, work with us on a time difference of arrival network nationwide. They're tied up with the government contract mm-hmm. right now. They're very busy, but they brought it up to us at Dayton a couple of years ago. And so as soon as they uh, clear out some of their work with the government contract, we hope to have a fairly elaborate system uh, if it's approved and so forth. It's, it seems like we're something we'd like to have for time difference of arrival. But in the meantime, uh, a number of uh, volunteer monitors use this uh, SDR network. And uh, it can put us within the, within the county of where the problem's coming from usually. So I'm pretty happy with that, but we need a little more accuracy. But of course, uh, if we uh, get help from the FCC monitoring station, that's a lot more accurate. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. That's the you know that's the world. That's the gold standard of monitoring. Well, thanks for having me, Tom, and yeah. uh, look forward to seeing you at Dayton. We uh, enjoyed having you on here, and uh, we're going to try to get you back regularly. Maybe you can give us an update every month or so about what's going on. And we will see you down at Dayton. We'll see you next uh, up at uh, uh, at Dayton, and then we'll uh, hopefully we'll see you at Huntsville. I hope so too. Well, thank you very much, and uh, Glenn, I'll see you soon. All right, thanks. And that I'm is looking forward to it. One big cat you got there. <laughs> what does that That's, thing weigh, weigh in at? Oh, she's just fifteen pounds. Her sister's the monster. Her sister goes by the name Godzilla, <laughs> and she's about. Six inches longer, and she's 22 pounds. That's that's a cat, all right. Yeah. All right, Thank you very much, and have Thank a good you. day. Yeah, Thank you. Thank we'll you. See you in Dayton. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that was interesting there, and uh, we learned a lot about the new monitoring program. And uh, Riley now heads that up. And uh, as mentioned earlier, Riley used to be uh, the special counsel uh, to the FCC on the enforcement side uh, at the FCC, and uh, 
he retired and he likes his job so much. Uh, he's now working with this uh, ARL monitoring program, and uh, I think he's a great fit for our uh, for that. All right, we're gonna yeah. move. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, has the statute of limitations run out for stuff that we've done as novices? Well, I don't know. That's been over 50 years for me, so I, yeah. I, I hope it has. Uh, uh, I, I didn't do anything just terribly bad when I, uh, you know, when I, hey, you know, back back then, back in those days, we 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 followed the rules, and we understood yeah. the rules were there, and you're supposed to follow them, and we, there was no doubt that we we're going to follow the rules, so Hey, you know, as a novice, I had to use crystals. I had a, I had a transmitter that had a VFO in it, but I used crystals. Was it tempting to get on that VFO and get on other frequencies? Well, sure, but I used crystals. Yeah, that radio. By the time that, I got there, yeah. that I was I was allowed to use a VFO. That radio, that radio would run 150 watts, and we were yep. limited to 75 watts. You know, was I tempted to crank it up to 80 watts or 90 watts? I don't know. I can't remember that long ago, but Knowing what I know now, you know, going from uh, uh, 50 watts to 80 watts, uh, you're not going to hear, hear any difference out there. Oh, you're not. It's it's insignificant at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, we didn't know stuff like that back when we were uh, we were really young, and uh, you know, just got our license at you know 14, 15, 16 years old. Uh, but uh, boy, that was the old days. We had a lot of fun back then. And uh, man, if we had just had the radios back then that we have today. Oh, good it, heavens, it, it'd yeah. Been a, it'd been a game changer, man, you know? Yeah, I mean, our high school had a radio, and it was an old ART-13 military yeah. transmitter. Yeah, And um, I was tuning up on what I thought was 15 meters, you know, calling CQ and the novice band, and somebody comes up and says, by the way, your fundamental is on 20 meters, and I about had a heart attack, <laughs> and quickly shut down. Oh, Oops. wow, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean that's what we had back then was you know tubes and stuff that barely worked was you know um, re recommissioned military type stuff or a Heath kit type stuff, and you know we didn't have these beautiful off the shelf rigs that you know just go and get it, hook up and go. Hey, and you know on our dial and, and even on our receiver. You know, of course, on the receiver, we did, we did have a tuning dial on our receiver. Oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, hey, we may have only had two crystals for our transmit, and the guy I'm talking to, he may not have the same two crystals. So uh -uh. you'd call on this frequency, and you'd listen up and down the band and find him, and he'd yep. be calling you. First thing you, you do is you just sit there yeah. and twist that knob but, up five, down five, up ten, down ten. And, you know, hope you can catch somebody. But what I was going to say is, even though it had a dial on it and it had some uh, markings about where you were, uh, compare that to the accuracy of the dials on the radios today. I we mean, didn't have digital it, dials. No digital. I mean, we had analog dials, and it wasn't uncommon for them to be 5 kilohertz off frequency. Oh, man. easy. Yeah. You know, oh, man. So, I mean, plus, you know, you had the dial cords, and there was slop in those. Yeah, you know, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's why they had us novice on crystals. At least they kind of kept us in the ballpark. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we're gonna talk in a little while about Memphis Free Fest. I see uh, N Zero RIC in here. He yep. is on the video. Stand by, N Zero RIC. You're gonna see yourself here in a few minutes on the video. 
All right, so uh, we'll uh, we'll go to that here in just a moment and um, talk about a couple of uh, things. Uh, we'll be right back, everybody. Just, uh, just uh, hang in here with us, and uh, we'll see you back here in just a couple minutes. Don't go away. I've got some exciting stuff coming up here in a minute. Now is the time to spice up your ham shack with Icom's new IT52A handheld. This radio is perfect for staying in or venturing out. The ID52A is now shipping. ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF-UHF dual-bander with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. The ID52A is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display and the ability to send photos over D-Star with a connected Android phone. Features include a wideband receiver with guaranteed range of 144 through 148 and 440 through 450 MHz. It has an integrated GPS receiver including grid square location. It also has a micro USB for data transfer, programming, and charging. And it's IPX7 waterproof. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right. Hey, guys. Let me take this opportunity again to welcome anybody out there that's on shortwave listening to our show uh, on WBCQ on 7490. Uh, Love to hear from you. Send us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where you are in the world and how you're hearing the station. And, uh, hey, you can join us on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time if you go to w5kub.com. So for all of our uh, uh, viewers out there, you, you might be wondering about our shortwave station. Uh, we're on uh, WBCQ, world-famous WBCQ up in Monticello, Maine. And um, this show is basically uh, retransmitted on International Shortwave on Thursday afternoons from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on 7490. So, hey, Thursday afternoon, if you don't have anything to do, uh, turn your radio on and tune uh, up to 7490 and take a listen to WBCQ. We're not a high-power station, only about 50,000 watts, but hey, that's 50,000 watts, and uh, we are heard in a number of different countries, and uh, uh, again, we, uh, we enjoy having you here. Hey, we're going to talk in a little while, but man, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm fired up, but I don't believe it, but then again, I don't know why I shouldn't believe it. Um, I'm going to talk about, there's a, there's a person requesting comments on Facebook. Uh, he's a city council member and a ham, a uh, fairly young ham. 
uh, and they're talking about amending their ordinances and make the creation of an RFI of RFI a code violation in their city. And man, we're gonna talk about this a little while. I don't you know, hey, it's gonna take a million dollars to enforce that. You're gonna need engineers, you're gonna need equipment. How do you know what interference is? Oh man. Glenn, you and I be thinking about it, Glenn. You and I are gonna talk about that in a little while. <laughs> I, I don't think it can be done to tell you the truth. I just don't think it can be it's, done. It's gonna be extremely difficult and yeah. finding the right people to actually perform that engineering side of that is going to be extremely yeah. difficult in this day and age. All right. We're going to get into, we'll get into your, your and my details and our thoughts about that in a few minutes, but this is going to, this is going to stretch the imagination guys. Believe me. I mean, I don't want to talk much more about it right now, but hey, a washing machine, a blender, a mixer, everything gives out RFI, even a car. Going down the road, the ignition noise, that's RFI. They're going to have, they're going to try to make an ordinance to enforce RFI. Oh, gee, I don't believe it. Okay. I don't, that's a, I, I, I don't see it happening. That's enough, just, that's enough just, on that one. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a little while. Hey, you know, I was at the Memphis Ham Fest, and I've got a little 10-minute video here in a minute, and we're going to walk or do a walk around, just like I did in uh, uh, Corinth, in uh, a walk around. And it could be boring for some people, but... If you if you just sit back and get you something to drink and some popcorn, you uh, you can look at some of the old stuff. You know, you can look and say, "Hey, I had one of those," or "I know what that is," or "I wish I had that." So we're gonna just do a ten minute walk around at the Memphis Free Fest. Now, Memphis Free Fest is a free ham fest. It doesn't cost anything. They give you a free ticket when you come in the door. The tables for your flea market. The tables are free. Uh, it's just a great hand fist, and you can win prizes. Now, I won some prizes, actually. Actually, I left I left about an hour before it closed, before they drew the main prize. You didn't have to be there for the main prize. People were already packing up and leaving. But, you know, I uh, 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 <laughs> here's an hourly prize I won, but I didn't win. So they called my name for this ICOM Handy Talkie. Uh, but I wasn't there, so I won it, but then I lost it. I didn't get it. But yeah, then, but see, when you left, you'd said you didn't think there were any more hourly prizes. Well, so I didn't you know. were like, I'm not going to lose anything. Yeah, yeah. But then they had, they, had the, they had the bigger prizes at the end. Everything from iPads to, I don't know, generators to just all kinds of things. Yeah, 40-inch TV. Yeah, yeah. And I won. I won this, and I'll be getting this. Uh, Rick will be bringing this by here. Uh, so this is a, uh, this is a, uh, a, a life, a life 4 battery. It's a 20 amp hour. Now, that's nice. Now, you know, uh, other people have been commenting to me about this win and, and I was a little worried about this myself because I know what lipo batteries can do. Uh, I can take a little lipo battery, like the size that goes in a, that goes in a, uh, uh cell phone. And if that thing gets a nick in it or you hit it, uh, it will actually just about explode and it will throw metal, flaming metal everywhere. It will smoke and it will give off toxic fumes. And that's just a little, little bitty battery. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what would a 20 amp, uh, 20 amp uh, hour battery do if, if this sucker shorted out or something? But, you know, someone sent me this. Now, I, I haven't verified this, but 
Here we go. This is, uh, you know, will a, life, uh, a, a LiPo 4 catch fire? Well, it says here, these batteries are the safest type of lithium batteries. They will not overheat. And even if punctured, they will not catch on fire. Uh, the cathode material in the LiPo 4 batteries is non-hazardous, so it poses no negative health uh, hazards are environmental hazards. So I was glad to hear that. I'm sure it still might be, you know, a little bit dangerous, but it it's it didn't carry the danger I thought that uh, that uh, a lipo battery you know might have. Uh, I had I had a little lipo battery blow up here in the in the lab one day uh, a couple years ago. Uh, I was charging it with just a regular charger. I know I'm not supposed to do it. But if you keep the voltage below a certain point, there shouldn't have been a problem. But obviously, I got the voltage a little bit too high, and I had it on a little charger in here, a little power supply. I left the room, and uh, I left the room, and the next thing I knew, I heard a kaboom. And I ran back in here. The little battery, it was about the size of a nickel. It exploded, and uh, it threw metal everywhere. And it put toxic fumes in here. This my my ham shack was was uh, uh, concentrated with toxic fumes. I ran in here. I was going to try to open the window. So I ran in here and I pulled the blinds up, and that's all I could do. I had to leave because it was getting to me so bad. So I got another breath of fresh air, and I came back in here, and I got the window up, and then I, I got out again. I mean, that's how tough it was inside here with a little nickel-sized uh, lipo. And then I, I, I managed to get a, a little box fan. I brought that fan in here and put it in the window and plugged it in, you know, to to exhaust all that smoke and fumes outside. But, man, that was a tough deal. And I found little pieces of metal all over my carpet. And some of those actually uh, probably were on, actually on fire when this thing, you know, burst. So... That was my worry, but um, hey, I think this battery might be good. Well, you know, if you don't want it, I'll be glad to take it off your hands. Well, you know, I might be able to use it for something. Uh, you know, a 20 I'll, amp hour, 12 volt battery is not bad to have around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I could probably use that on my uh, mobile cart, my video cart, like we take to uh, yep. Huntsville. Yep. Now... That powers a UPS system, but my only thought is that UPS system charges back and when it's plugged in. So I would I would want to probably avoid that where I wasn't trying to charge this. Um, yeah, may have to put a big diode in. in yeah, series with it. yeah, I could. Yeah, I could put. A, I've got some massive uh, diodes that uh, I could put a big yeah. diode and in. And that there. would keep it from being charged. Yeah, yeah, and then I could just plug the charger in the little charging port on here and just plug it into the to the AC. So anyway, right. hey, okay, let's talk about, uh, let's go to FreeFest. Again, I'm going to show you just a walk-around video. Some of you guys may see yourself, uh, may see yourself in here, and uh, I know I think uh, N0RIC is in here, and he'll probably see himself. So let me see if I can pull this video up. And we'll get it going here. Uh, again, this is a walk around. It may be a little boring to people, but Glenn, let's you and I have fun, and we'll talk about what we see. Oh yeah, it was so nice. Here, here we go. Here we go. In fact, it even we even have Glenn in here. So here we go. 
I don't know if that's a selling point or not. All my tickets in that drama, they didn't call my name once. They called Tom's twice. Yeah, well, what, have I got, what have I got going on here? What is this? Well, this is you paying off the guy putting tickets out, pulling the yeah. tickets out. Well, so let me turn some volume up. Check out the uh, outside uh, flea market area. Yeah, that's the cool thing about FreeFest is, you know, they have tailgating outside and then the indoor tables as well, and it's all free. Admission's free. The well, if you need some tables are free. This is the place to go right here. Oh, yeah, those are nice. A lot of the 991s are starting to show up in Hamfest. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. really. I can't believe you got so many variable capacitors. You can take that capacitor yeah. and look it up to a barbed wire fence and go about 100 miles. You can talk all over the world. Sure. Watts. Sure. There you go. That'll tune up anything. Don't worry about burning it up either. It'll well, go, it, go, it, go. it looks like it will handle some power. <laughs> it'll go, 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 baby. Yep. Yeah, it'll handle it'll some low, power. You know, depends on frequency, too. Yeah. You get your uh, low frequency in. Hey, how you doing there, man? I didn't recognize you. Yeah, talking to you. How you doing, man? You got stuff to sell here? No, no, I'm just uh, buying this. this oh, you're this buying? Thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm selling this year. Well, guys, you, you might not recognize him, but this is Tommy. He's been going to dating with us for years. He's got his mask on, so you can't tell who he is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. What are you interested in? Any of this stuff? Hot sauce. The hot sauce? Oh. <laughs> Look here. Tommy's wanting hot sauce. Yeah, hey man, that looked kind of good. Interested in a hot sauce? Yeah. <laughs> you need that to put right. on the hamburger. But you know, they you know, Tom, but but right, Tommy, I don't know if Tommy's in here tonight, Hello. but being Puerto doing? Rican, good. he likes yeah, that hot sauce, man. How you how you guys doing? All right, all right. What you call? NP4AC. NP4AC. Yeah. Yep. There's right. a Puerto Rican that call. Was my father call sign. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. Let me get it here. I got you. Drummonds, Tennessee. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and what is this thing that keeps popping okay. up here? Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Now, do you know this guy over here? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's our friend. I, I know yeah, Tommy yeah. for a long time. You know time. Tommy? I've known Tommy for a long time. Yeah. All right. This is getting me here. What is this mess? <sighs> well, it's warmed up. I thought it was going to be really cold, but yeah. it is warmed up here. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, man. Good thank to see you, you Alberto. Okay. All right. Got a pretty good turnout. I think a very large turnout here. Hey, Rick, how you doing? We'll try to make our rounds in here. So it's awful crowded, but we're gonna to try to make our rounds. Yeah, right around 9:30 or so, that place got very, very crowded. It was good to see all those folks showing up. Once this thing's got to go, uh, I had this is something that very few people even recognize anymore. This is a Sultronic 1011 Delta. This particular radio gave the FCC a heart attack and all you had to do is bring it home and solder one wire from one side of the band switch to another. You had 100 watts out on 11 meter band. $20. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. And all I want is 20 bucks for it. Nobody's, uh, no one's ever jumped at it. Get it. So what? Uh, yeah. You say 20 bucks for what? $20. For what? This? 
for the whole thing. For this and that? Yeah. You're kidding me. Nobody's taking it. Well, I don't know why. That's what I'd love to know. I don't know why. Hi, everyone. Mainly because I didn't see it. It's noisy in here, but I think yeah. they can hear you okay. Yeah, I'm down from uh, the boat hill. Hornersville, Missouri area. Yeah, There's in zero RIC. All right, now you, you're out of where? Or Cornersville. Cor Cornersville, okay. That's, uh, I'm three miles of the Arkansas line. Okay. And there you're you are. He's in our chat room tonight. Yeah, yeah, I figured you'd probably get down here. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Now, are you making a sale or not, or just talking right now? Oh, we're just talking. Rule of both. No, I'm not. He, well, he's talking about buying my stuff. I'm talking about buying his stuff. Well, y'all just swap tables. So we're yeah. just gonna, yeah. yeah. We're just gonna we'll swap, swap places. Swap well, places. guys, uh, hey, we're with Glenn again, and you can see this is the same stuff we had down at Corinth no, here not. a couple. Oh, it's not. No, uh, some of it's the same, some right? Of it's the some of it's the same. Let's. Well, tell us real quick, Glenn. What do you got here? I you got know? a full-up HSMM mesh networking set up the two and five gig they're already programmed yeah yeah and some voice over ip phones that'll go with it i guess these are uh ubiquity right ubiquity yeah these yeah. are the five gig ubiquity and they're configured for mesh networking okay and this is an outdoor version of the linksys mounted in an outdoor box okay and then your perpetual coffee maker gotta have that laser printer just little odds and ends, cleaning out the shack, making room for new stuff. All right. You got a few power supplies left yeah, here. A couple, couple power supplies left. You must have sold some. Yeah, I did. I actually sold a couple over in Corinth. Yeah. yeah, they had some nice Kenwood and... Uh, other rigs on that table right across from me. I kept going over there and reaching for my wallet and kept having to pull myself back. Yeah. They had quite a few of late model radios there, actually. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was, they had nice stuff. There's a guy that builds those six meter. Well, I've been. Uh, I've got a brake filter on here. I, I learned that from the last time. I got the ugly filter turned on. How you guys doing? Take it right there. That's a microphone. Talk to us. Oh. <laughs> Tell us who you are. Okay, David Kirk, WT4E, and uh, Memphis-based guy. I don't live in Memphis anymore, but uh, anyway, I'm close by. And uh, we're just here at the ham fence enjoying everything. Got some stuff here for sale like everybody else. So uh, I know Tom's seen him for years, and uh, uh, he does a great job. So uh, Well, these are pretty. You don't build these, do you? No, I don't build those. I, I build these, but uh -huh. I, don't, I don't build those. That's I've been building these for over 20 years. Yeah, I, I've been seeing them yeah, over here. You, yeah, you've seen them. You've been they look good. look real good. Yeah, yeah that's just a two-meter version. I got a dual-band version. Uh-huh. First, my website, uh, you can find them on there, WT4E Antennas or eFactorAntennas.com. So, uh, uh, just got some stuff here, getting ready to retire, and I need to, I need to clean out. <laughs> All right. Bye. How you doing?
How you guys doing? Hey, Jim. I was on there in Huntsville Take uh, last Hold year right and everything. Hold that right there. That's the microphone. So how you going? Oh, fantastic. Well, give us your call there, man. Tell All us right. how far you drove in today. WD4IGK. We're up, uh, we came from Birmingham. It's Birmingham. about 300 and some miles up here. Oh, so, man. Uh, loving it. Every minute of it. So it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, check out the shirt. I run the Central Alabama Simplex Net every Sunday night in Birmingham, 14658. Uh, we got uh, where our record's 190 check-ins. We're averaging wow. over 160 every night. So. That's and impressive. they've got some tables out here. Uh, there you got a little uh, snack bar there. You get hamburgers, hot dogs, and so forth. That's what you use the hot sauce for. Hey, yeah. how you doing? How you guys? Oh, yeah, I was surprised. That hot dog was really good. That's all right. Yeah, they had a beautiful group of Tentec rigs there as well. That's the Orion 2. Gorgeous rig. How you doing? I saw you were down in our uh, current last week, right? Yeah. I got me one of those power supplies. Those are 12 volt, uh, 40 amp, 45 amp power supplies. You just, came sold, out of you, some, you just sold some power supplies. Yeah, but this is 45 amps. You oh, can't okay. turn a 45 amp supply down. Hi. How you doing? How you guys? It's Bobby uh, I4GI and his grandson. Two tonight. Take, hold that. That's a microphone. How you doing? I'm Jacob, how you doing, Jacob? Just just talk. That's fine. I'm good. Um, Where are you from, Jacob? Here? From Memphis? I'm from Arlington. Memphis. Arlington, okay. Yeah. Well, you having a good time here? Yeah, definitely. We're good. I mean, I got a knife. Oh, you got a knife? Here, let me give you a card. You watch our show Tuesday night, and you'll be on it, okay? All right, you'll be on the internet Tuesday night. You can see yourself, okay? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I always forget to look at the bottom of the tables on the ground there and see what they've got out there. There's some good stuff down in those boxes. the original Vibroplex models.
There we go, HW101. My first sideband yeah, side rig was the HW100. Look, I just, built just one like of those this. 101s. Mm -hmm, I built that too. Yeah, I started out with an HW16 that someone else had built, but then I bought me a 101 and built it. They had a lot of good stuff there this weekend. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and uh, how you enjoying it or not okay. enjoying it? Well, good evening, good afternoon, good morning. I'm David, K5UZ, Delta Division Director, coming live from the Memphis Free Fest. Good crowd, having a great time, lots of interesting stuff to see, and the folks are tremendous. Fellowship's great. Thank you. All right, man. Good to see you again. See you again too. Yeah, it's always good to see Dave there. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, that's kind of uh, kind of what we saw. Hope you uh, you saw some things there that uh, were interesting. And the weather was just absolutely perfect. Yeah. That you day. know, it was not too hot, not too cold. <clears throat> I think it was 37 degrees when I left the house to go there. And by the time I headed home, it was like 70-something. Yeah, I thought it was going to be cold. You know, no. I, I, I took a jacket and everything with me, but, man, it warmed up here fast. And it was just yeah. a really beautiful sunny day out there. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 was, I was really thankful because we'd had all that nasty and cold and wet rain, and we've got even more coming in tonight. You know, so they couldn't have picked a better weekend. Well, all right, we're going to go to the show after the show in just a few minutes. We're running just a little bit late, but uh, we'll. Uh, I want to talk about this. Now, the the things that Glenn and I talk about, uh, we've got to put the legal uh, thing up here, Glenn. What do we say? That it's our personal opinion. and it's our uh, personal opinions yeah. and not necessarily the reflect, opinion of uh, the Reflect ownership. the show and all that kind of stuff, right? Or, you know. It, like, it just means I'm not responsible for what comes out of my mouth. Okay? Well, and so like, like, like somebody told me uh, yesterday, he said, I'm not a lawyer. And he says, and I don't play one on TV. So uh, that's the same for me. I'm not a lawyer either, and I don't play one on TV. So anyway, I want to talk a little about this, guys. This is, uh, this is, this is uh, very interesting to me. So. I don't know if you can see that or not, but uh, there, uh, one of the Facebook groups, uh, there's a comment here that says the guy's reaching out and said he's a city council member, and he is a ham radio operator. I, I, I looked him up, and looks like he got his license uh, about two years ago. Uh, I don't remember what class license he was, but uh, uh, so um, he is a city council member, and they are now talking about, it says here, we, the city council, are looking at amending our land use ordinance to make the creation of an RFI a code violation, among other things. This means our code enforcement officials would be able to issue violations, citations, and order people to clean up the RFI. Well, good luck on that. I'm just wondering what people think about the language we're looking for, uh, looking at. And then here's our language down here. I don't know if you, you can't probably can't read that. No, that's that's too small, and it's probably a good thing. All right, I'll uh, I'll read the uh, I'll read the ordinance. Electrical disturbance, electromagnetic or radio frequency interference. Uh, the operators of any use. Let's see. The operators of any use shall not create any electrical 
disturbance that adversely affects any operations of equipment other than that of the creator of such a disturbance or cause create or contribute to the interference with electronic signals, including television and radio broadcasting transmission, to the extent that the operation of any equipment not owned by the creator of such disturbance is adversely affected, all users, activities, and processes shall comply with applicable Federal Communication Commission regulations. Wow. I, I had trouble even reading that. So, so you know, uh, so they're going to have their code enforcement. They're going to have, it, if this thing passes, their, their thoughts are to have their code enforcement guys. You know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, checks your house out when they do the wiring, you know, and, you know, you pass or you fail. Uh, looks like he's going to be taking on another job of RF interference. Now, no, I don't think it's even going to get that far. Yeah, It'll be yeah. shut down for the very one reason. The RF spectrum is managed and governed by a federal agency. I'd love to have had Riley stay in on this one. Well, but, but Riley, you know, it, it's all difficult. of that is federal side. Yeah. Everything's type approved at the federal side. A local enforcement, they're just not going to have the jurisdiction on this. Well, and that's what I, you know, I, I made a comment uh, in, in, in the, this request in uh, Facebook that, you know, guys, you're opening up a can of worms. There, there's some real problems here. Uh, it's, you're gonna, you know, how are you going to even measure this? Uh, who's going to do it? it? You know, I mean, you're going to need an RF engineer, very yeah. highly skilled, all the way from, from, from D.C. up to microwave, and that's different people. And if you're going to really try to dig into the RFI, you're going to have to have test equipment. And test equipment and, don't And what constitutes RFI as compared to a uh, an issue on the receiving side? You know, somebody's got a bad television set or whatever, you know, and the RFI is actually an acceptable limit for that particular product. Yeah, well, I, know, named, so. I named a lot of things that cause, can cause interference. I mean, your LED lights, your fluorescent lights, your yeah. your, uh, your your motors, elevator motors, uh, uh, medical equipment, uh, uh, even ignition noise from an automobile. If the city is out on the street in front of your house and they got their uh, truck engine running and they got a jackhammer out there going in the, into the street and you're hearing all this ignition noise, uh, you know, on your radio in your house, are you going to shut the city down or are they going to be exempt? I, and, I don't uh, see you it. Know, I, uh, you know, you know. Oh man, is this a bag of worms or what? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I I believe that the first time it gets up into an appeals court, they'll throw it right out because the FCC has total jurisdiction over all of that. You've already got the the type acceptance stuff and the FCC testing of all of this gear. Um, so, I mean, all they're going to really be able to do anything with is defective gear. And as we know, 90% of that is on the receiving side. So, you know, I think the chat's pretty much right. This guy is just trying to make a name for himself, and he's trying to, you know, clean up the, his neighborhood so that he can get on the air and not hear power line noise. And the truth of the matter is, and I've heard this all over the country, that if you can identify that you have power line noise, 
contact the power company and they have people that will come out track it down and fix it for well, you they do they really do you know, you hey, know you so know another and just naming he's trying things. to fix something that's not real and just naming things you know hey the country's telling everybody you need to go solar power solar power so now you know a guy's invested fifty thousand dollars he's put solar panels on his roof and he's got a big controller and batteries there in his garage and guess what his solar charger is emitting rfi now they absolutely gonna shut, they're gonna yes. shut this guy down you know what i mean you know what i mean uh, boy what a see no, i think I what don't. it is i think it's some people that really hadn't thought this through they they think they know a little about it and and they're jumping in here without looking at the big picture exactly um, yeah there's just you i know, mean i could list hundreds of things hundreds of things here that could cause interference now if it causes interference does that mean it's the problem of the thing causing the interference or the thing receiving the interference you know what about the levels or distances uh yeah who knows man you know oh yeah well even a wall wart we were doing a, a, a mississippi cuso party over here uh, in benton county which is two counties over from here and had a wall wart on our laptop for logging and when we went to go on the air, we couldn't hear a thing because of the noise. And we just about were ready to give up, and we backtracked it down, and it was just a power adapter for a yep. Dell laptop. Hey, the okay. one, I have found How are you going to enforce that? Yeah, I've, you know, I've, that's, I've that's found these, these little uh, wall works. Well, I had one here in the shack. It was really noisy, man. So how, yeah. about, the, how about this scenario? Uh, a repeater is getting intermod. This repeater is getting intermod, but it seems like the repeater only gets intermod when this other repeater keys up and a police repeater key up, and then the signals mix, and then somehow they mix, you know, into the into the repeater. So whose fault is it? You know, I mean, how are they going to determine that? I mean, they're going to need. I don't know, man. Wow. You know, and the thing is, if all three transmitters are within spec, you are just dealing with harmonics you know mixing there's not a darn thing you can do other than maybe shift your repeater frequency to another one just to get away from the harmonic yeah yeah you know but as far as this rfi thing uh I, that, that's just that that's absolutely insane for where we are today i don't think rfi is as big as a problem as he's trying to make it out to be yeah, and, and even like, uh, you know, I talked to Riley about this, and, and it, the, I can understand why the ARL uh, didn't want to, well, that would be basically out of their jurisdiction because they're talking about everything from uh, car ignitions to fluorescent lights to everything. But, uh, uh, you know, they have to be very careful in what they say legally because, you know, it, you know it, it, it could be a problem. So, anyway, again, yeah. hey. What you guys are hearing here are the personal opinions of Glenn and myself, and uh, they don't represent any legal opinion. So we'll know, just let, put let's that... even go one step further, yeah. and that's their engineers and enforcement. What certifications or criteria are they going to have that will hold up in a court of law? You know, because yeah. you are going to have to. It's kind of like a, a radar gun. You know, you have to prove that thing's calibrated and certified, or you're going to have that ticket thrown out. And it's going to be the same with this. The equipment's going to have to be calibrated to the nth degree. You know, National Bureau of Standards stuff, all this tracing back and accuracy, the skill of the user must be proven. 
That's just a massive can of worms that is not going to be cheap to manage. Well, I can tell you, uh, my uh, is this my, where we put in the hashtag end rant? My uh, yeah, <laughs> my uh, my code enforcement guy Bubba, when he comes out, uh, you know, to check to make sure my gas pipe's not leaking over here. Uh, you know, he's pretty good at that. You know, he yeah. can he can sniff around the gas pipe and say, yeah, it looks like it's it's together pretty good. I think he's gonna have a hard time. A hard time tracking down and sniffing out uh, RFI. Yeah, let's 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 give him a spectrum analyzer and tell him to go. Man, yeah, I, I don't like know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's it's a mess. Uh, I I I I think the guy means well, but he's trying to take on something that I, I think is a far bigger can of worms than he really expects it to be. Well, we they were getting on that, in, that uh, in that Facebook group, they were getting a lot of comments just like you and I were talking about. So everybody is uh, trying to explain to them, this is, this is not an easy thing to do. No, uh, this is, uh, this is pretty impossible. Uh, plus you got to think about, you know, where do you set your standards? Do you use the FCC standards? If you're going to use FCC standards, then then uh, uh, why are you trying to enforce them when the government's supposed to enforce it? You know, it oh, whoo! Took yeah, the breath on you. Yeah, it is. Like I said, he probably means well with what he's trying to do, and I can agree that we have a lot of, you know, extraneous emissions and RF noise and everything in our world today. And yeah, it'd be nice to clean that up. I mean, who knows the health aspects of it at all, but for a city to take that under themselves, I don't think that they are prepared for what's about to hit if they go forward with that. Yeah. I, I don't think they can do it. Really no, don't. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. It's not enforceable in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Hey guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to, uh, close down roundtable and we're going to go into the after the show show the after the show show is where we invite you to come in and i'm going to post a zoom link here if you want to join us on zoom we'd love to have you this will put you right in the show we will still continue to uh, webcast uh, the show and people will get to see you so if you do come on you know calm your hair and, and whatever but uh, we're Brush not going to go into the after the show show or put your teeth in yeah, put your teeth in there. All right, well, very good. Uh, let me take this opportunity take here as we're taking a break between. Let me take this opportunity again to uh, welcome all of our people out there listening on shortwave. You're listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio, amateur radio, and we are live on the Internet on, on YouTube channel every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time on W5KUB.com. And uh, we'd love to have you join us uh, if you can. Uh, hey, Tom, starting... question in the chat. What Start. city is trying to do that? Uh, let me do something here. Hang on, let's see. Um, did I get everybody on here? I guess I got everybody on. <laughs> I'd rather not say which city. I'll just say it's a northern city uh, in a northern a state uh, somewhere north of Memphis, just <laughs> up in that area, up in the north. Kinda All up. right, so so it's somebody north of the Smith and Wesson line. 
We got it. The Smith and Wesson line? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we, well, they call it the Mason-Dixon line, but to us, it's the Smith and Wesson line. Yeah, 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 I see. Well, I keep hitting the wrong button here. I see. Showing three. I got everybody? I don't know. I, I think I'm hitting the wrong button here. I'm viewing instead of allowing them in, so... Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, there, there's only three of us in here, yeah, and it looks like I, you I had a couple Tim, more. I see Tim there, uh, WB8HRO. Uh, we'll say hello to Tim. Yeah. We had a couple. If I didn't, if I didn't get you in, dial back in, call back in. I don't get. I don't dial. see Charlie in there tonight. You don't. Right, let's see. You guys, you guys will just uh, call back in. I'll uh, try to hit the right button this time. <clears throat> Yeah, Tom's just dealing with too much RFI. He can't figure out what button to hit. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, this is uh, this is after the show show on Amateur Radio Roundtable. We're so glad to have you uh, join us here, and we can talk about anything you want to tonight. And also, if you have comments about the uh, uh, city ordinance of uh, RFI and RFI ordinance, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, Brett, if you're still doing your taxes. Um uh, you got like three days to get them done. Yeah, he he said seventy-three. Yep. Yeah, I got mine done last month. When I found out I was getting money back, I gave me the incentive well, to finish yeah, mine. Yeah, I'm paying in again. So anyway, Kathy did ours again uh, <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, and she says, "I ain't never gonna do this again. Never again." <laughs> They are getting more and more complex. And they have you go through all these various forms and calculations, and you get to the very end, and it says, uh, you don't have enough deductions to qualify for this. Why don't you just you know, file single, yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, uh, take the standard deduction, you'll do better. And I'm like, then why did I just spend three days putting all these numbers into this thing? See, somebody just posted a um, comment about the balloon position. I, I I think the balloon is still asleep. It should be asleep right yes. now. Uh, that's probably it has earlier. been asleep for eight hours and seven minutes. Well, it's getting close to uh, the UK, so you yeah. you know you. Uh, but you said it wasn't going that way. This well, time. it's going to turn. It's turning. It's going to miss the UK. It's going to come down to Spain. But what I was going to say is, it's getting close to uh, universal time there of. Uh, uh, so uh, it's in that time zone. So let's just say it gets enough sun at nine o'clock a.m. Universal time. Yeah. If we take five hours off, that would be four a.m. Four a.m. Central, five a.m. Eastern. I think it will wake up about uh, five a.m. Eastern time uh, today. And when it does wake up, it should be just a few hundred miles from um, from Spain. I think we're going to go right across Spain. It's doing real good. I'm a little concerned. Our altitude has dropped from our 40. Our, we've been running a steady 41,000 feet for right. the last, I don't know, 15 days. And we're down at 39,000. It's been solid all, all day at 39,000. We may have lost a little bit of gas now. And it could be it could be that we're in a low-pressure zone. A low-pressure zone will cause the altitude to drop some. 
I've been watching the altitude to see if it just keeps going down, but it's it's just locked in at thirty nine thousand seven hundred and something. So hopefully we're could, okay. Could just be a slow leak, but it really it just jumped from forty one thousand down to thirty nine. It didn't do a yeah. forty one forty. You know, well, so I, I've been keeping. Well, no, I, I've been keeping every ten minutes. Just about, I, I plot the uh, I plot the altitude, and we've been down in the thirty nines. Uh, most of the day, uh, yeah. but but you know when we get over land, when we get over Africa, it'd be interesting to see if it gets back up to forty forty one thousand. Yeah, uh, so but I want to say it started going to thirty nine just before it crossed over into to Mexico yeah. and the the West Coast area. Yeah, you know it had gone down a few. Uh, uh, every ten minutes, I was seeing the uh, altitude, and occasionally uh, it would gain five hundred feet. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know. Uh, I think we could be possibly leaking a little bit of gas. You know, the gas will leak through those balloons. Um, the atmospheric pressure will affect the altitude of that balloon. Uh, that's another thing that we have to. Uh, Hey, what though? It is doing great for those cheap little Chinese balloons that you're using. Well, this is not the cheap, cheap ones. This balloon, these balloons are about sixteen bucks a piece. But uh, well, to me, that's cheap yeah, compared yeah. to the SBS. That's and, cheap compared to one hundred and seventy bucks for an SBS balloon. And yeah. the interesting thing is, these sixteen dollar ones that we found, and we've been looking for these for years. Nobody's been able to find one. And uh, we found uh, we we. We knew a like a four or six or eight gore uh, balloon uh, would fill out more round, and that gives you more volume. And uh, when uh, I was able to find these four gore balloons, and then we ran the calculations on it, even though this balloon is only 32 inches in diameter, 32 inches in diameter, it's actually a round sphere. Uh, that's got about 210 cubic uh, liters of um, volume and uh, uh, it will fly it will fly at because of its light weight it'll fly at 41,000 feet compared to a, a SBS balloon that SBS balloon is seven feet tall uh, it's 36 inches laying flat but when you when it fills up I guess the diameter is probably 24 inches but it's like seven feet tall yeah. Uh, it, and it weigh the SBS balloon weighs just the balloon itself weighs 107 grams versus 47 grams for these uh, four gore balloons we're flying, and the four gore balloon takes a lot less gas, less than half the gas, and it flies the same height. And for 16 bucks versus 170, I, I think it's a keeper. Oh yeah, I know. I'm I'm impressed. I mean, you know, you've had two in a row. Yeah. go around the world at least once well if the last one went around just right at two times it a storm it got a storm in in uh, mexico right i mean and you know that's you know one in seven eighths for the first time around and the yeah. second one got around once you know and back to your original statement when you started this is one out of ten is going to make it around the world and you're two for two with these chinese balloons okay i'm getting i'm getting here by now here we go all right, we just said there you go. I just got them. Yep. All right. Did I get everybody? I did. No, you got five, and I'm seeing five coming in the chat room. Okay. So, yeah. All right. 
Hey, join us. Uh, I'll post the uh, uh, Zoom link again. Just all you do is click on this link and you can join us. And, you know, hey, you don't even have to have a camera on. If you want to, leave your camera off and uh, just join us. Uh, audio will be fine. So there's a, there's a Zoom link. Uh, get in here and join us. Love to have you. Yeah. If you've got a face for radio, you're welcome to join. That's right. <clears throat> Hey, Tom, like what Anthony, KG5JPU. Yeah, speaking of the face for radio. Hello, uh, Anthony. I said, hello, Anthony. Do you have a question? Yeah, he jumped back in and muted himself. Okay. okay. No, I just hit the space bar. Okay. I didn't uh, want to interrupt. Oh, no, jump right in. I need to be interrupted sometimes. Yeah, you and you know, one time it, over the over the weekend at the at, at the free fest, huh? Oh yeah, that was that. I mean, the biggest part about it is, yes, I get to sell some stuff, but the most fun is I get to meet a lot of folks and and people I haven't seen in a year. So I enjoy it. Hey Tom, was that was that Hamfest uh, virtual or in person last year? What did they were they closed due to COVID? It was closed. Yeah, I don't remember. They haven't had it for two years. So, yeah. just yeah. like, just like um, uh, Dayton, and just like Dayton and Orlando, going to look forward to, to mingling and and touching things and looking at stuff. It's sure going to beat uh, having what we've been dealing with for the past two years. Yeah. So I am I am getting real excited about Dayton. And I'm flying this year instead of driving, so I don't have that 10 hours on the road to deal with. You know, I'm Delta's problem this time around. Hey, Tom, I forgot to tell you. I don't, I'm not sure if I sent you the link for it, but there was an article uh, regarding uh, Doug Wheelock. I saw that uh, posted in uh, a, a group, uh, a ham group, where he gave uh, a presentation, yeah. Yeah, it was in Pennsylvania this weekend. Yeah. And I think what his, what his new endeavors are going to be. Well, that's good. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, uh, and since we are cutting back on our, our uh, hamvention uh, webcasting this year, uh, uh, I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to try to get him there to join us because we're going to be out and around too much. And the goal this year is to not be tied down to our, our space. So, But uh, I may try. I'm going to try to get him uh, to come down to Huntsville uh, Ham Fest. Uh, you know, Huntsville is a big NASA uh, operation. So he could probably find a business trip down to, to NASA at Huntsville. And also in the Army, where he uh, flew helicopters, uh, I think, uh, what's the Army base? Is it Redstone Base or something here? They've uh, got he flew, Redstone Arsenal over he there. Flew, uh, he learned to fly the uh, Apache helicopters there in Huntsville uh, at, at Redstone. So uh, Huntsville's kind of like home for him. So I'm gonna, I, I need to see if I can get him to come to Huntsville maybe this year. I think he would enjoy that uh, much better. Than uh, than going to uh, Xenia. Yeah, I mean, Tom, if you're going to be walking around, I mean, literally, 
it takes two days just to to go and see everything once the flea market area is huge and the indoor area is huge and i mean the first thing i do when i hit the door is you know i run over to the awrl booth and say hi and then i run out to the flea market to to get all the good stuff before it's gone well we're going to drive up on wednesday of course thursday is a setup day we don't have much to set up we we will have our our booth there we'll put our banner up we'll have an ice chest with some drinks snacks things like that places to sit rest uh lay some car business cards and stuff out uh and then that's uh, that's thursday and there's a lot of people starting to set up on thursday so we'll get to visit people on thursday and then we'll get to see them all day friday and then we'll see them all day saturday and then we may head back sunday morning we may not stay you know we've got a 10-hour drive so we may not stay sunday uh and leave late in the afternoon because yeah i'm back flying so home on sunday uh, i've got to be at work on monday bill uh bill brown is doing a uh, balloon launch and a forum uh from one or from 11 o'clock to one o'clock on friday and has asked me to participate and present uh during part of that so friday somewhere probably around noontime uh i'll probably be giving a talk on uh uh on, on our uh adventures maybe show some videos and just talk a little bit um hey i might even launch a balloon when bill launches out there i may even uh, uh fill one up and launch it and uh i know bill uses helium there uh, uh he didn't like to bring the hydrogen in there uh just because of all the people uh, but uh man if i could somehow if i could somehow get my hydrogen in there I'd probably fly about three thousand feet higher than than Bill. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see if, if we can figure out how. Uh, hey, maybe yeah, I. Well, may, you just hey, need to get one of those really big hip flask kind of things. You know, you maybe maybe I just fill the balloon up with uh the, with with the hydrogen uh at the hotel the night before, and uh, uh just you know put it in the back of my truck and uh you know when we get ready to launch just take it out and let it go. Okay, who we got there? We got, uh, let's see, who am I looking at here? Well, we got Robert in here and Dave in here. Yeah, I was that. And WB5B is in here. Yeah. How you doing, guys? Okay, uh, that's Robert. Hey, Robert, how you doing, Robert? I'm good. Uh, I wanted to tell you about something. You yeah. guys talked about TDOA tonight with Riley, the, the location for, with SDRs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an extension that's built into the Kiwis, and anybody can use it. It's really easy to use. Right. Uh, you just pull up any Kiwi SDR, and you pick that extension, and a, a control panel comes up, and you can pick the SDRs you want to use for the location and launch it, and it'll do the location. It's pretty nice. Very cool. Yeah, I, I remember using it and trying it out, even on a show, I think, one night. I think there's, isn't there a link or something like down on the left side toward the bottom or something on on the screen? Or There's a link here somewhere you can click on, and it, it actually brings up this function. So it's, it's kind of cool. Yes, it is. And we were, uh, we were using it, you know, when everybody was complaining about Cuba, was it Cuba jamming uh, something? I remember back then. And jamming on 40 meters. Yeah, we were, uh, we were uh, playing with that uh, direction finding type scenario there. And it did 
you know, we, we did see it plotting it down in a Cuban area. Uh, I'm not sure how accurate it was. Now, the way Riley talked, this thing can be very accurate down, I guess. He to, said get you down to the county. I mean, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that might be interesting. That may be something we do on a show again one night here soon, just to show how that how that works. They want me to get a scooter to zip around with uh, there in, in Dayton this year. I, you know, I don't, well, yeah. one, those scooters don't zip, and two, they barely fit in the aisles when there's a full crowd there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got an idea. Let's see. I've got something in here. If I can find it. I don't know where it is. I'm in my... Uh, and out in the, the flea market, if it rains and gets a little bit muddy, All you right. don't want a scooter. All right. Hey, Glenn, look at this, man. Look at this. What you got? I'm thinking about doing something special at Dayton this year. Let me show you something. Let me show you. Can anybody guess what this is? The lunchbox. The lunchbox. The Mickey Mouse lunchbox. Let me open it up. I want to show you guys what's in here. And then this is this is I've got an idea to use this at Dayton this year. I'm going to arrange arrange something, and we'll we'll record it. All right. Anybody know what this is? The 1950s era hair dryer. Yeah. Yeah, man. Actually, I think the you know Area 51, the UFO that crashed there. You know they they yeah. picked that up off of that. Well, it was turned on, so obviously the batteries are dead in it. But uh, guys, I have a I have a radar gun here that um, that I'm thinking about taking to Dayton. And and if I can prearrange to have all the scooters lined up. You know, if we can clear out an area and we get all the scooters lined up and we can have a scooter race out there, and I'll try, I'll try to measure their speed, Glenn. What do you think about that? I think, uh, um, yeah, I could probably walk next to them with a GPS and get the same speed. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that's, not, that's just a is thought. Is that radar gun calibrated, do you know? Is it calibrated? Well, why, why do you need it calibrated? I'm just yeah, he's not he's not going after RFI with it. Yeah, I'm not going after RFI. So why calibrate it? If it's off ten to ten miles an hour, I don't care. Ah, you were doing uh, uh you know, X. You're gonna argue with my you're gonna argue with my radar gun? Gotta I don't know. Take you that, downtown. Tom's at ten gigahertz. Seven fifty? Is that what you Oh, ten? I you know, I don't know. it's probably I don't know. I don't know. Oh, uh, let me look and see. It might have it may have something on there. Hmm. It does have an FCC ID on it. Let's see. It does comply with Part 15 of the FCC rules, uh, uh, compliant to the following conditions. This device may not cause harmful interference, and two. This device must accept any interference received, including interference that may cause undesirable operation. That's a late model unit right there. I don't remember that rule coming into play until recent years. Yeah, well, that's, that's there nice. you go. There you go. You can look the model number up if you want to. Let's see. Yeah. 
So, so while the SWAT guys were in here getting ready to haul you away, that you snuck out to their car and well, grabbed the SWAT their radar guys gun. came in. If I had this under the table, I would have, I would have, I would have pulled that out on there. Okay. Can you imagine <laughs> something like this? Yeah, that'd be the last thing you pull out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, wait, I got some paperwork with it here. I, I didn't realize I had paperwork with it. That's probably the calibration paperwork. Oh, oh, look, it's got a little. Uh, man, I hadn't used this in so long. It's got a, it's got a tripod or a, a, a dual pod. A bipod. A, a what? A bipod. A bipod. Yeah, a bipod. It goes in every use. Let's see what the, let's see what it says here. Caution: Do not aim at private parts. What's that mean? Uh, you can't take it out onto a military ground where there's privates. Okay, I got you. Tells you how to operate it and everything. I, I, I'm, I, you know what? I probably ought to leave this out and check the batteries, make sure they're not corroding in here. I, I did change them a while back, but oh man, I don't remember how. It got. The reason I ask is uh, 10 gigahertz is a ham band. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, so you can run that at a kilowatt. It is. It is. Well, I've got one more thing in here. I'll uh, I'll, I'll pull out. I think I can find it. Let's see. Tom's got all kinds of neat new toys. I've got something here. If I can find it. Oh, let's see. That's the other thing about going to all these ham fests. You get to find all of this obscure, unique stuff. Well, I uh, I don't know where it is. I wish I could find it. I would show you guys. Uh, it's a little pro product that uh, a friend and I built uh, a number of years ago. My closet is so full here of stuff that uh, so what I'm looking for, Glenn, is um, is a radar transmitter, and we built. I'll have to pull it out next time. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll explain what it was. Yes. We built a little product and sold it at Dayton one year. Now, I'm glad I'm glad Riley is not here now because <laughs> I'm glad Riley is not here because uh, I, I'm not sure. But uh, the power was so low. The power was so low. I think it fell within part whatever of the FCC rules. But. Um, we uh, two years we sold them. We made a hundred each each time and sent them to Dayton. We built them for about six bucks a piece, and it was a little little plastic box about the size of a um, cigarette package with a push button on top. And inside we had a little microwave circuit board with a little gas fed transistor on there, and we made a radar transmitter that transmitted in a ten gigahertz ten gigahertz band. And the thing is, it would turn on back then. Um, it would turn on about any radar detector. Uh, you could, you, a guy could be coming down the road, and you could just pick that little cigarette package size thing up and press the button, and you could see him hit the headlight. I mean, hit the uh, tail lights. He, he would, it would turn his radar detector on. It was good for a couple hundred uh, feet, and uh, so. Uh, well, if you called it a beacon, it was perfectly legal. Well, you know. I don't know what we call, we call it the enforcer by T. Well, we're, we're legal for a kilowatt. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, we called it. I'm gonna find it and show it to you. Um, we called it the Enforcer, and um, and uh, let's see, it's Bill. Get Bill on here. So we called it the Enforcer, and hey, I was driving down to Corinth, I think, one year, and this guy kept trying to pass me, and little two lane roads out there or whatever, and he would he would come up beside me, and I'd press the button, and he'd he'd slow down, and he'd get behind me. And then a few minutes later, he'd try to pass me again. He would come up there, and he'd cut, start to pass me, and I'd hit the button, and he'd go back, and he'd get back behind me. And we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, we we called it a brake light tester. And uh, I still have a few of those around. Yeah. I, Chris said we sold them for 60 I don't remember if we sold them for 50 or $60. We made them for about 8 bucks. And uh, I remember, man, we sold 100 in, in, in Dayton, we would sell. Would sell all we took up there. We'd make a hundred of them. So we'd have, you know, we in our cargo pants. We'd have what a hundred, you know, a uh, hundred times fifty. We'd have what is that? Hundred times fifty. That's five thousand. Do the yeah. I was gonna say five thousand. We'd have five thousand dollars stuffed in our pockets, in our uh, uh, cargo pants here. And uh, oh man. But you know, I, you know, after a while, the radar uh, detectors, you know, they started going with laser and different things, and and uh, basically, you know, how a a a, um, uh, a door, uh, some of these automatic doors would trigger your your radar detector in your car. That's basically what this does. It was just uh, close enough in there that it would just think it was radar. Yeah, Bill, Bill yeah. joined us. Hello, Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good. You're just it took me a while to get in tonight. I had some internet connection problems and something going on with my computer, so I had to reboot several times. But well, I finally made it. I thought I was going to have trouble tonight. It took me 20 minutes to figure it out. Well, it was about, well, it took me over an hour. Yeah, I had every time I'd bring up the, the wirecast encoder here, a video would be playing. And I know I didn't have a video playing over here. And I kept turning stuff off, and I kept, you know, turning the mixers off, and it kept playing, and it was one of those, uh, I don't know. Well, my computer did an automatic update yeah. last night, and it screwed everything out. So it always does that. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. You know my motto, new and improved rarely are. Yeah. That goes doubly so for updates to operating systems. Yeah, and that's really the problem with Windows 11. You don't have a whole lot of say-so about the updates. Oh, man. Fortunately, I haven't gone that route yet. But it's a, it's a different experience uh, working with that interface. So um, when are they, uh, they going to make us go with uh, 11? Uh, is there I have good? one computer with 10, and I have one computer with 8. And 8 is probably one of the ugliest interfaces out there because they had those tiles that you have to use they kind of designed it after their mobile phone their cell phone oh, uh, i'm still on seven phone. on two computers eight on no seven on two ten on one and eleven on the laptop now no, what ten, i do ten on the laptop what i do for eight to make it look like seven is there's a shell script that you can yes. run and you can set it up to even look like XP if you want. 
and it's wonderful. I set it up to look like seven. So that makes eight. I ignore all that. Those tiles, uh, they just yeah. go away, and finally it's usable. Yeah, I did that when it was eight, but I just upgraded it to ten not long ago. I don't think I have memory space, uh, hard drive space on this computer to upgrade it to ten. Nope, my laptop, which is only you know two years old, doesn't support eleven, so it's not going to get upgraded. And I'm my main machines are seven, and I'm not planning to upgrade them. Period, even if they could. Now I I uh, I have a Macintosh, an iMac, but it's an older one, and I I do something that most Mac users would consider blasphemous, is that I always run Windows on it. And I have to say, the hardware on an Apple computer, on an iMac, is top-notch. I've been running this computer since 2009, and it runs Windows flawlessly. But I, I rarely venture into the uh, the Apple OS, um, iOS, very, very rarely, Mac OS. And uh, unfortunately, the hardware is such that the newer versions of, of Windows will not function on this old of hardware. So I can't upgrade it to anything higher than 7. Yeah, I went to do, you know, take my laptop and take a look at 11, and it's like, sorry, you don't have enough hardware to make that happen. You're going to stay on 10 for the rest of your life. Go buy a new computer. That's the point. They want you to buy a new computer. Well, so, hey, that uh, ain't happening. Let's, uh, let's, bring, uh, let's bring Robert in here. He hasn't said anything. Robert, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, you talking to me? No, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. Who am I talking? Let me, wait a minute. Let me look here. It's, I, need, it's, I need a bigger screen. I need a bigger it's, screen. it's Dave and WB5B who haven't said a word yet. Is that right? Is it Dave? Yeah. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Dave. That's him. How you doing, Dave? Uh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm from the great state of Washington, and I'm driving to Dayton this year again. Oh boy! And I plan on going through uh, Yellowstone. I want to see another baby buffalo. First time I went through Yellowstone, I saw a baby buffalo. Almost saw a baby buffalo get born. If I could, could have been there five minutes sooner, I would have seen it. However, I got a kick out of all these people with their cameras uh, trying to get as close to the baby buffalo as possible to get a picture. Mm. And the mother buffalo was looking at her. And that mother buffalo, I think, was exhausted or else they would she would have charged the uh, she, she would have charged them. Yeah. And of course, there's signs all over every place that says, uh, leave the animals alone. Don't bother the animals. Yeah. But they yeah. they do. And I'm going to have my APRS going, HF going. I'll be on 146.52 and whatever and whatever else I can think of. But hey, I, don't Dave, drive, I don't drive a car anymore. <laughs> Dave, I've got a story about buffaloes i got to tell you. Uh, when okay. we were in Colorado, we launched a balloon, and it land, the payload landed, parachuted down in a buffalo ranch. And we came up to the gate, and the rancher met us. And he says, don't go in there, not without buffalo treats. And he had a big <laughs> bucket full of pop can-sized alfalfa pellets. And he says, the way to a buffalo's heart is through its stomach. And so we'll we'll slowly advance out there. But if they get nervous, if you spook a buffalo, he said, it will go through my fence 
the neighbor's fence, the neighbor's neighbor's fence, and keep going for about 20 miles before it will even think about slowing down. And if you are between the fence and the buffalo, you're going to get run over. So he said, uh, if you get, they start getting a little edgy, you get a little too close, you just throw these alpha alpha, huge alpha alpha pellets at them, and that will keep them calm. And sure enough, they got a little edgy, got a little close to us, and he started throwing out these big, big pieces of chunks of alpha alpha, and they started gobbling them up, and they didn't give us any trouble. Oh, <laughs> I, got a, uh, I got a kick out of a lady who uh, hit a cougar on I-90 and thought it was dead and put it in the back of her car, and then the cougar became alive in the back of her Oops. car. Yep. <laughs> mm. Oh, wow. That reminded me of that movie, uh, what was it, uh, where they put a deer, Tommy Boy, I think it was, they put a deer in the back of the guy's car that they hit, and it it came yeah. back alive and just destroyed the car. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got anybody else that's uh, joined us here that just wants to jump in here tonight? I need a larger screen, man. Let's see. Hey, Tom, I got yeah. a, uh, a group in I- Idaho. Uh, KL7BR-11 launched one of those 36-inch Mylar balloons with one of my trackers two weeks ago. And guess where it is right now? I have no idea. Japan. Well. Flying it to just remember that first one we did with you that ended up in Japan? Yeah. But this one seems to be making it, so maybe it'll make it completely around. It's only at 27,000 feet. Now, is that with one of the four gore balloons? No, this oh, was oh, just oh, a standard. Okay. With uh, the standard uh, silver, uh, yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. Yeah, we flew the same balloon. To- we, we've, that's the balloon we flew in our first flight, and we hit a storm off the coast of uh, Japan, and it brought it down. I think that thing could have made it if we had hit it the storm. It could have. So yeah. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that this one will not hit storms off the coast of Japan and maybe make it because they're – Three quarters of the way around right now. I think I think they got a good chance there. Hey, uh, tell me, man, what's going on with uh, W5KUB110, man? I, I, my my altitude's gone from forty-one to thirty-nine-seven. What's going on here, man? Uh, when it has zero satellites, it'll show zero altitude or very low altitude. No, so. it's not showing zero. It's showing thirty-seven, thirty-seven thousand. I mean, thirty-nine thousand oh. seven hundred and. 50 you know i mean we're down about we're down about a thousand feet and it's been consistent i think you're in a low pressure area well that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping after we hit uh it doesn't look like it's coming down it looks like it's just in a real low pressure zone yeah maybe once we hit uh hit africa maybe we'll maybe we'll start seeing it go back up i've been watching it but i mean it's been steady you know, I thought if it was leaking, it's going to continually go down, but it seems like it's just, it, it's not moving down anymore. It's just staying there, so. Right. I mm. think you're good. Never can figure out how to center myself in your screen there. Yeah, yeah. You have to go opposite of what you think, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we're excited about uh, uh, 110. Um, hey, I got, uh, yeah. I finally got through to order from I Yokohama. Saw, yeah, I uh, saw your uh, posting that you got through. I don't know why you I had, had so much trouble. Call the credit card company and tell them it was not a not a bogus site. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they're well, getting nasty about that on approving some of those foreign sites. was a foreign I, sale. I yeah. tell you what, you're going to be surprised. Once, once they, once I ordered, I had it delivered from Japan on my doorstep, either in four or five days. I, I was yeah. not expecting that. Shipping from Japan and China has is really improved recently. I mean, I've been ordering stuff, and it's here in a week and a half. But DHL is really quick, but very expensive. But this I don't know how they do it. Stuff. When I order PC boards from China, they're here in a, a few days' time. Yes. DHL, and they only charge like 30 bucks shipping. And uh, mm. if I try and send something to China, it's $130. I don't know where yeah, they're still trying you, to figure that out. Yokohama, <laughs> Yokohama quoted, quoted me on this order and said, you know, DHL shipping, you know, 100 bucks, but it came UPS. It didn't come DHL. Now, I, I got a, uh, well, UPS uh, partners with DHL really? in America for deliveries. Okay. So, um, but I ordered from that balloons online place, some of the silver ones. And when I got the package, it, there's tire tracks on it. Oh, that's not good. Hey, it you're going to be like somebody ran a forklift over the package. Hey, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be surprised how well these, did you, did you order 10 or more or? Yeah. Yeah, I did. This I got I ordered, a box, the 10, the 10 in the box I got, the box was probably 14 inches long, maybe by eight inches by eight or something i and, ordered some of their silver ones too oh did you and the balloons each of those balloons in there are individually packed in it, their uh, own heavy their own heavy plastic uh, bag so that's nice so i think you're going to be well protected and by the way we uh, did a flight test you know one of the things i wanted to do was to launch one of these and uh see if it can expand on cold temperatures without damage in itself in other words yeah. fly one without pressure testing it first yeah and i haven't had any good weather opportunities here since i've got these in uh but ted kg5 ted he basically flew that same test for me last weekend and it failed at twenty-seven thousand feet so yeah. launching one of these without it being expanded first is probably not a good idea. So uh, this last one, uh, of course, I blew both of them up where they they popped apart, you know, the seams. But uh, right. I blew it up, and uh, I even used a hairdryer to kind of get some of the little stretching out of it. And even on the even uh, where the seams weren't, I, I could look, and the the curvature looked a little flat. And I put that hairdryer right there, and it just it just curved out beautifully round, you know. I wasn't able to get all the the wrinkles out down the seams, but uh, I used a hairdryer all over it, and uh, you know, hopefully it helped it some. I may try one more test flight, uh, but since Ted has done this already, um, what they say is they you have to inflate it at room temperature and not in cold temperature yeah and and that's probably uh, a good idea because well and they also they also say yeah they also say 70 percent 70 percent humidity and I, I don't go along with that but uh, I, I did inflate it where it, it expanded out to its well, maximum in size this time of year that's yeah. pretty much a given 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is it's been cold, you know, up until today. Right. I mean, I actually turned the air conditioner on today when I got home. But, you know, tomorrow I'll probably have to turn the heat on after the front comes through. That's spring in the south. Yeah. Hey, I want to tell you a story about the, you said it was expensive to ship back to China. Uh, I learned the hard way that that turns into a scam. So I ordered some solar panels and it was $65. And instead of shipping me the solar panels, they shipped me a cheap piece, piece of costume jewelry. It was, it was, it was, it was a little ring that they shipped me. And so I went, I went back to PayPal and PayPal negotiated with them. And basically they said, we'll give you your money back if you ship it back to us. And right. so, and it was like, 80 or 90 bucks to ship it back. So they, they got you. You got to watch yeah. what you do. Yeah, they that figured out this game. Facebook, uh, Facebook, right before Christmas, advertised a robot dog for, uh, you know, 40 bucks. And they showed a picture of this, this very realistic robot dog. And what we ended up with was a little, little tiny dog toy that didn't move. And the same thing, you know, mm. you couldn't return it, couldn't yeah. get your money back on it. I, I meant to, you know, I saw a picture and ordered this kind of keyboard. You know, it's an old school style keyboard. They sent me a flat panel Bluetooth keyboard for like an iPhone. And I went back and forth and back and forth. And believe it or not, PayPal and eBay sided with them. Really? Yeah, so I, yeah. We ordered, uh, what was it, a, uh, it was a, uh, it said an alternative CD-ROM um, uh, memory storage. And what they sent us was the little tiny plastic inserts for a 45 record player. <laughs> well, they are alternative to CDs. That's right. <laughs> if, if it's, it's for, from the 60s. It was truth and advertising. Well, I yeah. don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, haven't I, had, any, I haven't had any problems like that. But I generally don't, but every now and then I do. Like, I ordered a printhead for my Canon printer, and they sent me the wrong one. And we went back and forth and back and forth. You know, he admitted that it was the wrong one. He's like, I'll give you a 15% discount, you know, if you just keep it. And I'm like, wait a minute. You've got my money. You know, you're offering me a 15% discount to, you know, buy another one that's probably going to be wrong. And we went back and forth. Fortunately, this was bought through Amazon and their third-party yeah. resellers. And I just went to Amazon and said, look. <laughs> and Amazon, next thing I know, the guy's like, you got a full refund. Goodbye. Amazon. Amazon's good. Yeah. yeah. I had a hacker uh, hack into my uh, Amazon account and ordered me a nice uh, laptop computer that he sent to my house, and I was supposed to pay on it. It was a laser back or laser top, whatever the heck it's called. I called Amazon, told him, no, I did not order it. I'm not going to pay for it. And I told him, I said, the guy that ordered it hacked, probably hacked into my account. So he investigated it, told me to send it back, and they'd refund my money. And the process of doing I did all that, got my money back. But the guy who ordered the computer filed a misdelivery notice with Amazon 
to get the to get him another computer. And I called Amazon up again and said, "Hey, no, that's that's him again trying to get a get a computer." I said said, and I told them all that. So they said, "Okay, thanks." And I guess they stopped the delivery. Yeah, yeah. That's that's becoming the game these days. Then uh, I had a friend that ordered uh, was signing up for a new job as a tech support. And they said, you have to have two iPhone 11s, but you have to order them and send us, send them to us so that we can load the special software you will need. And then we will send it to you and pay you $500 a week to use these phones to search for different, different things on the internet. Right. And, and, um, you know, that's an obvious scam because you will never, ever see those two iPhones 11s again. <laughs> no, no. The big thing thereafter these days are the uh, the rechargeable gaming cars that are like credit cards that you can buy at the store, reloadable. Oh, yeah. That's their big thing because apparently they can turn around and exchange those for cash and it's untraceable and it's not like Bitcoin, you know, it's just, yeah, you, know, you give them the the number off of the the pa the packet for the card. There's a scratch off number, and you give it to them, and boom, they got the cash instantly. They're, that's the game that they. That's why they want you all to buy these reloadable cards and stuff. You know, because what they get is untraceable money. All right, uh -huh. hey, let me make an announcement here, real guy. Guys, we've got uh, we got one minute. We got one minute until we sign off on shortwave on uh, WBCQ on seventy four ninety. You're listening out there. This show has been about ham radio. The first hour was about ham radio, amateur radio. And this last hour has been what we call after the show show, where we just invite everybody in and we talk about a lot of different things. So join us again next week on Shortwave here on uh, Thursday at 5 till, from 5 till 7 p.m. on uh, 7490. Or on Tuesdays, you can join us at W5KUB. Dot com and you can watch the show watch the video and don't forget uh, if you will please hit that subscribe button we need you to hit the subscribe button it helps us out a whole lot i'm flashing a little subscribe button right there hopefully uh, you see it so we appreciate it thank you everybody thanks for joining us tonight and 73 we'll see you later and uh see you next week all right now the truth later. about it is I've only had those issues with like one out of every hundred transactions that I do. The other 99 are perfect. So. All right. See you guys later. Y'all Y'all have a good evening. All right. Take, Take care. All right. Dinner time. Same three T day. We'll see you. Yep. And I'll be getting yep. out of here in a minute myself. Hey, Tom, I, I got 20, uh, 328 P's in the mail from China. It took uh, six weeks for them to send it to me. Yeah, I got a few, and 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 Brent sent me a few too. So, but these were uh, yeah. actually in strips in the oh, packages. Were they? Were they? So yeah, I was yeah. surprised at that. They're they're out there. You can get them, but you're paying they a lot cost more. They six and a half bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, I sent a couple more people to you uh, about they're interested in launching. Uh, uh, right. Morning. So I sent a couple more people to you there, and. Uh, well, I was dead in the water for a little while until I got. Uh, this latest batch of 20 uh, chips but yeah. now i have to i don't have enough to have the 
assembly house to do them. I have to do them by hand, which adds another two and a half hours. Oh man. Assembly time because that's, that's if you don't have enough to uh, send to the assembly house, they charge you an exorbitant per board cost. I usually do 40 at a time, which is reasonable cost. But if I do 20, it's, you know, it's unaffordable. Well, that's not fun. No, it's to not fun. It, it's it. fun if you're doing just one, you know, for your own project. But when you're trying to do one at a time, the whole board and it, I got yeah. pretty used to having them already pre-assembled. Well, you know, Bill, people probably think it's simple. You take this tracker and you put it on a balloon, you pull a gas in and let it go. And, you know, that's a 15-minute deal. But like what you're saying and what I do when I, when I build mine, I mean, it, it takes a day. It takes me, you know, half a day, you know, probably to build it. And then I have yeah. to test it. And mm -hmm. I, I want to make sure it's working. So I spend the next probably half a day, you know, making sure it's working. It's not going to cut out on me. And then... Then I got to put the solar panels and stuff together, and I got to put it all together. Got to make the antenna. That's probably another day. And uh, uh, you know, hey, I've, I've you've got several days in every launch. I uh, consider my yeah. time is free. Uh, yeah. Under those that calculation. You know, yeah. you could get a job as a Walmart greeter and make more money at this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, probably oh, could, yeah. man. Probably could. All right, guys. It is they, after. Wouldn't, they wouldn't hire me, Glenn. I would be putting frowny face stickers on them and say, have an okay day. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen the, they had some of those, uh, I did that stickers at the uh, ham fest this weekend. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, I did. That. And what, <laughs> one of them says uh, gas prices are higher than Hunter Biden. And <laughs> the other one is Trump doing the pointing and saying biden did that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a guy had him there at the ham fest this weekend yeah that'd probably be a pretty hot seller all right guys yeah. hey, i'm out of here i gotta go i'm gonna yep. go take it easy and yep. get, get a snack maybe watch a little tv uh edit the video tonight get it on shortwave then i'll be through until next weekend yep. hey, Tom, we'll, yeah quick question yeah uh, when you inflated 110, um, that was 4.8 grams? Yeah, that's what we flew, free lift 4.8 on, on 110. <clears throat> and you put super glue just inside the uh, filling port or around? Well, I didn't use super glue. I used super glue on 108. On 110, I had some uh, uh, 3M adhesive. It was in a spray can. And what yeah. I did, I just sprayed me a big wad on a piece of cardboard. And I took me like a Q-tip and I, you know, sopped it up. And I just went inside that uh, filler tube and just uh, coated the inside real good with uh, with uh, adhesive. And okay. And squeezed it together. And then thinking, well, that might not help. Uh, I, I put some more adhesive on the outside of that filler and I folded it over and pressed it down. Oh, so okay. so I, I I sealed the inside and then I I I I, I doubled it over. I doubled it over and he he set down. Also, I was a little worried about the uh, tape uh, tab they've got on the bottom coming loose. Right. They said you need to reinforce it. I don't know. I guess that's if you have a bit heavy weight. But so I used that, but I, I you know I I left about ten inches of line extra
And I went up there to the sealer valve, and I just kind of went around the sealer valve with the uh, with the same string. So it goes from the sealer valve down to the the tape with the hole, and then, then the tracker hangs below that. So oh. if the, if the tape pulled off, if the tape pulled off, it would still be attached to the sealer valve. So, I think that tape's on there pretty good. They have it yeah. looks like a pretty good adhesive on it. Yeah. Have you looked at the top? I, I kind of think there may be a little uh, attachment hole at the very top. I'm not sure. There's a little attachment hole, tiny attachment hole on the top. Well, it's not very big. No. And do the Yokohamas have any attachment point at the bottom? Well, that's all I've got to Yokohama. Well, the well, ones you just got from Yokohama. Oh, uh, the ten clear ones. I think they're identical. Yeah. They're identical to the. But they uh, don't have the uh, plastic tab on the bottom. Well, do I think they? I think they did. Yeah, I think oh. they do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. You didn't put glue around where the filler valve goes into the actual balloon on the outside, did you? On the outside. Yeah, where the seam is, the silver seam, where the on the outside of it, you didn't do anything there, right? Because that looked like it was pretty sealed up. Well, just the inside. I just that little that flap. You know, yeah. the, the sealer itself is man. It must be an eighth of an inch. It's not very big. You, you know, know, I you know, use uh, uh, three sixteenth. Yeah. Diameter yeah. outside diameter tubing instead of the. Bigger ones that I used for the uh, pancake yeah, balloons. Yeah. I've got the one size <clears throat> lesser diameter, uh, those evergreen. <clears throat> it's called evergreen EVG 226. Well, Bill, uh, I just used, I've been, yeah, I used yeah. Uh, uh, a piece of uh, heat shrink tubing. You know, small. Well, this stuff, this polystyrene. Is slippery like Teflon. It yeah. feels like Teflon. But I didn't have and any problem. I, I slid that heat shrink tubing in there past the filler, you know, to get to get inside the balloon, and I can move it back and forth really easy. Take it out, put it back in. Okay. And, uh, it's well, about stuff, yeah. The, I use this stuff because it it's very slippery. Yeah. And uh, yeah. but I used the three sixteenth outside diameter. Because I have been using the one size up from that. Right, um, right. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I think it was too big, I so I ordered some of the. Yeah. I ordered some of the narrower uh, evergreen plastic. Tubes. Well, I think the uh, three sixteenths would be very tight, man. I, that, that's a small filler, man. It, it is, yeah. but I tried it and it's it works fine. And you know, and, and I inflated, but it, it took me overnight to get all the air out of that thing. Through that, through that little hole. You, uh, how you did that? You just pushed the. I heat left the. I left the. I left a little heat shrink stuck in there, and uh, I uh, I laid a pillow on top of the balloon, just so it would you know put some pressure on it, and uh, and even the next morning, the next morning it wasn't even empty. You know, I had to kind of press on it, and and then you know you kind of finish it off to 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 rake all that air you know out the very. Now, when you uh, pressure test it, do you have um, a check valve? No. Uh, where'd you get those check valves? They're like no from check valves or what? No check valve. Uh, the uh, you have valves, right? For uh, well, 
on my uh, manometer, I, I, I had two valves in my manometer line to keep, because when I put air in, it would blow the liquid out of the manometer if I didn't turn that thing off. Yeah. And, see, on my other manometer, I had a tube inside a tube, so, so I didn't have a problem with the pressure going in and blowing the liquid out. But this, this balloon is so small that I can only run one tube in it. So I had to not only put the air in that tube, but measure the pressure coming out that same tube. Uh-huh. And how do you keep the uh, air from leaking past the tube when you're pressure testing it? Well, it, this may be hard to believe, but obviously that, that thing fit, that, that heat shrink tubing seemed like it fit so good. I think I had very little air trying to come out around it. And, you know, you could take your fingers and try to, trying to squash that together and hold it around, but I didn't have any trouble. I mean, I thought once about trying to seal it. I took some tape and tried to seal around the... That's the, what I was wondering. Yeah, I tried to seal around with some tape, but it's not necessary. That, it, it, All right. It, it, uh, it, it, it doesn't come out that hole. I mean, it, you, your filler tube, if it's close enough to the, to the size of that filler valve... You don't have hardly any air come out. All right. Yeah. Well, good deal. Yeah. So, so back to the back to the gluing. I put that adhesive. Just you know, the the filler tube itself is like an eighth inch. Or, I mean, it's very small. But you know, that flap on the outside is about three quarters of an inch wide when it's laying flat. Hmm. I just coated the inside of that really good as far as I could get up in there toward toward the, the valve and uh, just squash that whole thing together. Now, what do you use to actually open that valve for the first time? I, I just slid that heat shrink tubing through there. It just slid right through it. You, you could feel it, it touched, but I didn't even I have to force it. I had a devil of a time getting it open for the first well, time. Well, it may, it may be because of the stiffness of that. That tube you're trying to push through, and, and your tube no, I mean, is probably I couldn't even open it with my finger. You know, it was. Oh, you're you talking know. about the the flap itself on the outside. Yeah, I, 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 I you know, I didn't think it opened. I thought I, I when I first got mine, I thought I had to cut the thing open, and then finally I, I looked too. at it. I looked at it through the microscope, and uh, I took an exacto knife. Well, to that's what I ended up using to to, to try to just spread spread that thing apart, and uh, man. Yeah, it's very tricky. Yeah, so that's the only trouble I see with that balloon. Just it's a little, little uh, touchy. I think on the yeah. ceiling part. I don't know. All right. Well, hey, I measured. I measured the volume of that. I filled it up. I didn't stretch it, but I filled it up tight, and I got it to be round. I measured 90, 91 inches circumference. And when you do the formula, 91 inch circumference equals 32 inch diameter. So, so that checked out that it was a 32 inch balloon. And then you take a 32 inch sphere, sphere and you calculate the volume, you only get 208 liters. Now, would it stretch 5% more? Probably. I, I imagine the, the volume of that balloon goes up to maybe 200. 10, 215 uh, uh, cubic liters, maybe. But oh, uh, it, it measured just tight. It measured 208. 
And I'm seeing some people talk about 250. I don't think it's 250. I don't think there is such a term as a cubic liter. Oh, well, you're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> why, 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 why wouldn't there be? Oh, well, maybe not. What about a meter, a cubic meter? Right, but a, a liter. Let me think about this. You got liters, you got meters. Liter is a volume measurement. Well, yeah, I guess you, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. So, uh, so you would think a cubic liter is acceptable. Well, it might be. I probably you might know what I'm talking about, but I think Bill's right. Yeah. That's like a cubic quart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean. <laughs> I yeah, but it sounds, you know, cubic liter, it sounds something real. Cubic quart, no, you know, that's not going to happen. Well, let me put it this way. It's the way I see it, it's, it's 208 liters are 0.208 cubic meters is the way I see there it. There you go. Yeah, that's the way I see it. All right. It'll be interesting. I, I figure it's going to wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be on right on the GMT line here, you know. They're five hours ahead. So, say if it wakes up about 9 o'clock, GMT, that'd be about 4 o'clock here. About 4 in the morning, maybe. Hey, by the way, I, I got one of my... Uh... 10, 10 milliwatt trackers on 10 meters right now at my house. Every day I've been running it, and it opens up every day, except there was one exception yesterday. The band was closed most of the day, but mm. for the past few days, it, it gets heard in the West Coast, British Columbia, Hawaii, and the Canary Islands just about wow. every day on 10 meters. That's good. Well... You know, that would cut off seven, about seven-tenths of a gram uh, on our weight. Well, the, the big advantage is technician class. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, right, right. Licensees can, can operate Whisper that way. Right. But, hey, what, uh, what's that? Know, uh, you probably wouldn't get coverage every day because the band isn't open every what's, day. Uh, what's that called, an unlicensed band, like Whisper? Oh, that's called a Hyper. Hyper? 22, 22 meters. Is it H Y P E R? H I F E R. F E R. Hyper. Right. Okay, and it's twenty. It's uh twenty megs. Uh, no, it's thirteen point five five three megahertz. It's five hundred kc, about four hundred fifty kc uh, below the twenty meter band. And is that that's and that's unlicensed? On, that's that's unlicensed, unlicensed for the U. It, most people there have a ham license, but uh, yeah. some don't. But uh, it's uh, five milliwatts, um, and uh, that's your power limit. And most people now are running slow CW, and uh, many of them are running Whisper. A fair amount are running Whisper there now. Now, is there another Whisper site that plots this, or is it? Go to the no, uh, whispernet.org now has a separate listing for it. If you look at the band selection, ah, there's now okay. one for 22 okay. meters. So That's I'm, I'm sure this is a U.S. Uh, regulation. I mean, no, it's uh, worldwide. It's a worldwide because I, was, I had someone contact me today in the U.K. that, you know, they can't fly ham radio balloons. There are balloons. some countries that can't operate it, but yeah. 
I know there are quite a few countries that will allow it. Well, they can't yeah, fly. There's an they, ISM band at 13.553, which I'm assuming it, is your 22. It is in the ISM band, exactly yeah. right. So, yeah. so the guy contacted me today from the UK. They, he's wanting to do this, but they, he can't fly. You know, a ham radio, radio, and a balloon. So this right, would, this would be a good this would be a good solution. License free. Yeah. Most of the UK ham balloonists yeah. are flying unlicensed radios yeah there's another one at like 41 meters or so it's at 6.7 meg that depends on the um we don't have that but some places so this uh this hyper this hyper band uh uh, there's a medfer and a loafer loafer is 150 some kilohertz yeah medford is right around i think 450 kilohertz or so 500 kilohertz and then hyfer is 13.553 yeah and that's available worldwide whereas like you say the the 6.7 meg is subject to local acceptance i think maybe canada can do that one so bill so this is an alternative they wanted to use this it would probably work okay for them wouldn't it would and there uh in the u.s there's a number of stations now monitoring whisper and worldwide there's um what they have is worldwide screen grabbers where you can look for the slow cw and you can also see the uh, whisper i'm gonna get back with him and uh tell him about this i I remember talking about this where can he get a tracker on that is it just a matter of you programming a tractor on that frequency pretty much uh what i what i do um it's a very simple mod to my existing tracker uh, I have it transmit on 22-meter band on the HIFR license-free. And then it flips over on the alternate 10-minute uh, window on 20 meters. So I could rig it up such that over the UK, it's doing the HIFR band. Yeah, and yeah. then when it's beyond the uh, geofence, it would flip back over to doing both. All right. I have one. I had one on the air for well. Mark has got one KA9SDX. Yeah. He's had it on the air now, almost a year, and uh, on 22 meg heat. Uh, I think it's every odd 10 minute sequence. It does 20 meters, and every even 10 minute sequence, it does the 22 meters. Just keeps hopping back and forth. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, I'm I'm gonna get out of here, guys. It's getting uh, getting late. Good talk to everybody, and we'll see you next week. All, All right. right, y'all have fun. All right, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody in the chat room. All right, bye now.